Welcome to the mikvah.org podcast. The mikvah organization has been dedicated to the education and resources for Jewish family life since 1975-5735. You can support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your support and enjoy today's recording. Hi, everybody. We are live. Welcome to our summer learning program. Today, we'll be hearing from Mrs. Sarah Morozov on an overview of the mitzvah of Pru Urvu based on the Rebbe Sichais, a candid discussion on balancing the blessing of children in today's hectic world. If you are listening on podcast, welcome. In order to access the handouts for today's lecture, please go to mikvah.org forward slash media. Click on the part one of Pru or Vu, and underneath you will see download links for the two handouts referenced today. One is a compilation of notes by Mrs. Sarah Morozov, and the second is an article that was published recently in their hair magazine. Both are available via link. Please go to mikvah.org forward slash media. Before we begin tonight, I would like to just share a few moments of a video from Jem entitled The Greatest blessing, um, the blessings. Uh, and let me just turn that on. Und not so der noch mit Farsen gewähnt. Aber ich habe durchgehend 5700 mit 41 Jahren. Und der noch ist in Eiche Dorsche mal rum mit geboren gewähnt, der Ingel und der Mädel. Der noch wird durchgehend naiv und wird er sein, dem Kind, wer liegt noch in Wiegel, er geboren geworden, wird er mal scheint an den Kopf. Und liegt ein Kind, wo der Ewigste hat dem gesagt, Okay, hi everybody. Uh, welcome to this shear. So as a hakdoma, as a preface to the shear, I just want to make a few little pointers. Uh, we're, we're, the purpose of the shear and Mr. Shem tomorrow's is to 
talk about the mitzvah purvu based on the Rebbe's sichas. Uh, I want to take a moment and all of us together should really pause and there are unfortunately many uh, women and men who are very in desperate need to be blessed with Zara Chayekayama. So let's take a moment and daven for all the couples who are in need for the special bracha that the Abishur should make in the schos of the shir, the schos of inspiration that we gather together, that the Abishur should provide uh, a, a special bracha for the people in need, that they should be blessed with very, very soon, easily and quickly with healthy children. And together we should all have a nachas from our children all together, uh, all the Jewish people. Um, the next thing I want to tell you is that I'm speaking to an audience that I do not see. So I will not be able to see facial expressions at all or body language. And I'm sure some of the messages that I will repeat today may trigger some uncomfortable feelings or confusing feelings uh, by the listeners. So the right way to listen is... Uh, to take a pause, if you feel there's something here that's overwhelming for you, that's confusing you, that's sh shaking you up a little bit, please take a pause and please discuss this with your mashpia, with your rov. Um, I don't want to leave anybody uncomfortable, chas v'shalim, but I, I just want to give people the information that they could uh, make uh, healthy choices with their husbands and, of course, their rov. So I want to... Uh, I want to say that as well. And for those of you that are listening to my podcast, you could pause, uh, process it, and reach out to your mashpia how this message may apply in your individual situation, because of course I will just be uh, generalizing. I also highly recommend, just like um, Hasi began our share tonight with a hear the Rebbe's voice directly with the English captions, they are available in full on sikhas.com slash purvu. Um, those, are, those are audio. They're not videos. Gem.tv, the greatest blessing, has some of the uh, video there with captions, with English captions. But when you hear the Rebbe's voice in the original, and it just has a certain uh, infusion of passion, of betochen and amuna. And I also feel when we hear, when the Rebbe's message is broadcast in our homes and the Rebbe's voice is spreading over the ear, in our ears and our homes, the brachis that the Rebbe is benching over and over again to have the children, to have the nachas, to have the means to enjoy the nachas, if it's the financial blessing, et cetera, et cetera, those brachas physically spread throughout the home and maybe a maybe a keli that the brachas should actually come down into our very own homes in reality. Another message I want to tell you is that this is a very compact cheer. Tonight and tomorrow night, we're going to go through many sikhas. The Rebbe spoke over a period of years, maybe even a decade. And so this is a kind of a compact, a very condensed version um, from the message in many different angles. Um, so you have to just take it in context. Um, the Rebbe was changing a worldview that we we're going to get to in a couple minutes. But you may choose to listen to tidbits at a time for this reason, not, uh, for this reason as well, and come back to it a little later or another day, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so those are my um, beginnings. I also want to tell you that um, in the past I used to share many stories, and I, 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 I very, I hesitate 
I, from doing that because the audience is, um, I don't know who it is and I don't know if those stories uh, p uh, people may think is talking about them. So it's kind of just gonna be, um, the style of this year is going to be basically information. I will start with something personal that uh, what motivated me to learn the Sichas a couple times in my life um, was when I was challenged. I was Zaycha personally, I had the merit of listening to the Rebbe Sichas, a lot of them in the original. I was in high school in the 1940s, I guess, when the Rebbe was speaking uh, in the beginning of the 1940s at Tafsha Mems, when the Rebbe was speaking uh, about this topic a lot. But because I wasn't the one having the children, it was my mother, I kind of, you know, it went in one ear, out the other, or so I thought. And it was nice. It was nice information, but I didn't really internalize it. and didn't, like, make it personal. I didn't make it my own. But I did see the effect that it had on my mother. Can I know her? My mother was benched with a large number of children, and one after another. She worked very hard. Baruch Hashem. I'm forever thankful and grateful for the Eberster, for every one of my siblings. It was hard. And every time she came back from one of those sichas and we listened together, she, she was beaming. She felt so validated. It, it was just an amazing thing that she was able to appreciate, uh, really, with all her heart and soul, the beautiful brachas that she was gifted with. But for me, you know, whatever. Now, a couple of years later, um, there's a different incident. I married Baruch Hashem quite young. I was 19 when I got married, 20 when I had my first baby. And then uh, when I was in labor with my second baby, I, I showed up at the hospital and this, I looked very, very young. I was very petite. My husband also was very young. He hardly had a beard or maybe none at all. We were young little kids, two little teenagers, sort of. I mean, we were older, but we looked very young. And when I showed up in labor, this Filipino nurse was trying to kind of make fun of me. She took out this questionnaire and she goes, what's your name? What's your age? What's your husband's age? Is this your first pregnancy? No, second, how, how many months are they apart? And then she was like, with this very like sarcastic voice was like, was this a planned pregnancy? Like, do you guys know what you're doing with your bodies? And when, when she asked me that question, I was like, hey, of course it was a planned pregnancy. It was planned by God. And I said, write it down. I made her write down planned by God. Now, she was so shocked that that's what popped out of my mouth that she got quiet and she started treating us with tremendous respect. And I was actually very surprised that that's what pop popped out of my mouth. It was high, you know, but it came from somewhere because the betachen and the muna that, that the Rebbe infused in me, you know, when push came to shove, so to speak, that's what popped out. And that was, you know, and I let it. Many years later, probably like, 10 or 12 years later, there was a different incident. And it, I was having a very hard Shabbos morning. My newborn baby was extremely colicky, cranky, crying. I was extremely colicky, cranky myself and very irritated. My husband had taken the children to shul. Uh, he came home late. I was starving and I didn't have the self-esteem or the clarity to just make kiddush and get something down my throat. I was just like, ooh. And when he came home from shul, the kids were fighting and they were fighting about where to sit and fighting over who was fighting. And it wasn't very pleasant. It wasn't a very pleasant atmosphere. And a guest came into the house uh, and he kind of uh, assessed the situation. And he said, this is insane. Like, 
I'm not planning to have kids when I get married. And um, I felt very hurt. Uh, for a moment, I thought, you know, he's right. This is crazy. This is a dysfunctional family. Uh, this is not what should be happening. Um, this is not good at all. So for a moment, I was like, hey, he's right. And then for the next second, I'm saying, what do you mean? Like some kids are crying. So a couple minutes, a cranky wife, and therefore we shouldn't have children. And then the, my next thought was, hey, you know, I had this host to hear that I was speaking about this topic over and over again. Why am I tongue twisted? Why am I tongue tied? Why do I have nothing ready to answer this person? It's a Rahmanis on this person. He never heard the Rebbe talk. He doesn't know better. He can have attitudes. But I, I don't, why is nothing coming out of my mouth? And Bar Hashem, one of my children actually saved the situation because she got up and she faced this young man and she said, you're speaking like this because you don't even have one baby. I promise you, you're going to have one baby. You're going to want to have double the amount sitting around this table. Now, he was so flabbergasted that that came from a child of this, quote unquote, dysfunctional situation, that while everybody was like awed in silence, um, my husband quickly made Kiddush and we went, washed up for our mitzi and we started eating. And within 15 minutes, everybody was smiling, you know, some food in your mouth. People calmed down. And the, and the meal continued. But after that, I, was, I, I made it my business to actually learn the Rebbe Sichas all over again, to research them, to find them, that I should get to the crux of the matter. Like, what is it? Am I crazy for having these children? What did the Rebbe really mean? What did the Rebbe really say? And Baruch Hashem, my brother, who does the, uh, the website sichas.com, you can look on sichas.com on Purvu. You have over there a collection of the Rebbe Sichas audio with English translation, Hebrew, I think maybe some other languages already, um, and, the, and the ones that the Rebbe spoke on Shabbos. You don't have the audio there, but you have them written out with Hebrew and English, uh, I think also English translation. So he we worked together. He prov I remember I had jury duty. I actually created jury duty probably was like a year later when my baby was already I could leave the baby alone and I I took those cassettes and I was listening an entire day over and over again to the Rebbe Sichas I could hear them in the original and choose uh which ones talk to me or would talk to women and and it was so it was so uplifting and it helped me refocus and regain my balance, like, what am I doing here in this world in the first place? Why do we have children? What is a child anyways? And uh, that lasted for a while. And uh, Baruch Hashem, other people were able to listen and gain their perspective. Fast forward many years later, and I landed in a different situation where I felt, uh, you know, dealing with challenges in life and all the mistakes that I made and uh, maybe feeling uh, confused or maybe uh, regret or maybe like, does Dave sure really know what he's doing? Like, is he sure that I'm the mother for all these children? Like, maybe he made a mistake. Maybe I made a mistake. I, I started really doubting myself because, you know, you know how it goes when life goes on and life isn't so simple and there are twists and turns in life that you don't expect. And I made it my business to learn the sikhas all over again in the original. And again, I regained my balance because what is the balance that I regained? What the Rebbe does over and over again is put the Abishter, not just back in the picture, but the Abishter is our point of focus. 
And as soon as we make the Abishter our point of focus, everything else takes on a different perspective because there's two ways we could look at the mitzvah. We could look at the mitzvah of having children through human eyes, through logic, what makes sense. And we could look at the mitzvah of Purvu, like what is it that Abishter wants over here? And like the Rebbe says a few times in the Sichas that we should tune in, what is your neshama telling you? Like, let's go back to that essence, that inner space, that essence, the place that we connect to the Abishter, and that's our starting point. So here, um, so that, I just want to give you that background. And recently, I actually had to learn them all over again, because I, again, I needed to reinstate my balance, my sense of purpose, my positive energy. And I, and, and that what I'm telling you is, it's not like, you know, when you, you don't brush your teeth one day for the 365 days of the year, you know, some things need ongoing maintenance. So we have to give ourselves a, a, a gift of this ongoing maintenance, especially because we're flooded, you know, with influencers all over the place, influencing us. And where does their perspective come from? And the more we engage in, in um, getting information from places that are not 100% Torah-oriented or Abishter-oriented, because sometimes you can have Torah-oriented and people may forget about the nice enough Torah or the Abishter himself, we have to regain our balance, shift our balance, and the gift that the Rabbi gives us is um, helping us connect to the Abishter himself. Again, I want to reiterate, speak to your mashpia. This is a very, very delicate uh, subject, and we have to speak to our mashpia every step of the way. So what I did was I, I have notes that I typed out in no fancy fashion at all. You could follow along in, in the handout if you'd like. And I'm just basically going to follow this handout now. And um, yeah, so here we go. So first of all, what is the mitzvah of Purvu? The first thing you have to know that having children is a mitzvah. It's not like an option or a choice. Like, do I want one child? Do I want two? Do I want ten? What's a nice family? The first thing we have to know is the, the mitzvah is that the Abishter wants children. The Abishter wants human beings should be born. Pru or Vu is the first mitzvah in the Torah. Be fruitful and multiply. Umilu esaretz and fill the earth. The kifshu and conquer it. That there should be human beings on this, on this earth who recognize that the Abishter is the superpower. That there's an Abishter on earth. That is the purpose. Now, Midai Raisa, if you have a son and a daughter, uh, there's a debate, but the consensus is, for the most part, if you have a son and a daughter, your yaitza, the mitzvah, Dai Raisa, uh, it's better is if the son, between the son and the daughter, you also leave over male and female grandchildren, that we don't just replenish ourselves, but we actually increase human life on this earth. That's the mitzvah, Dai Raisa. Midrabanan, there's the mitzvah is an ongoing mitzvah that as long as we're able to, we have an ongoing obligation to continue to have children. There's no expiration date, but at a certain age you stop. There's no like numbers. If you have one child, two child, 10 children, three under three, five under five, there's no like equations or statistics or numbers or situations. Every situation is different. And the next point I want to bring up that just like one of the 613 mitzvahs is to Pru'orvu, we have another mitzvah, which is v'nishmartem ma'oidu nafshi seichem, 
there's a mitzvah to guard our health, our physical health, and of course, our emotional and mental health as well. And not only the health of the mother, the health of the husband is important, and so is the health of an existing child. And sometimes there will be a conflict that having another child right now may cause a risk to a child's health, to the mother's health, or to the husband's, the father's health. And this is a shayla in halacha. Which mitzvah do I do right now? When two mitzvahs are conflicting each other, we turn to our rav, and we have the rav paskin for you. Your obligation to the Abish right now is to pause having children and to take care of your health or your husband's health or the child's health. And, or your psaq could be the health risk isn't that great. And in your specific situation, the psaq for you is yes, to do the mitzvah pruervu, and not every, you know, is anybody ever 100% healthy? So you have to go to a rough for the psaq. No one should ever feel guilty to ask shayla, Um, It's all about doing Hashem's will. Guarding our health is 100% Hashem's will, just like having a child is 100% Hashem's will. And the question is, which one do we do at this moment? And that's why we need a rough to talk to, to help us figure out what is Hashem's will for me at this point. I do want to say there's a whole, a whole other topic that if you are using birth control, uh, which one is halachically, what's halachically best in your situation and how to avoid extra standing situations. That's a whole separate topic. But for now, we just want to say that there's definitely a, a place for contraception or birth control in halacha and it is taira and there's no guilt or shame, chas v'shalom, but this is part of Ratzin Hashem. Um, now, so what the Rebbe came, is coming, what the Rebbe is coming to do is a few things. We, 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 um, just to give it in a little bit a historical perspective, there was a time in history, I, I would probably say before the mid uh, 20th century, um, human beings, they felt as their mission to repopulate the earth. There were there were plagues, there were wars, there was famine, people died, mortality rate, infant mortality rate was so high. Um, there was no proper medicine for babies that were born small, um, or even all kinds of disease. Um, penicillin, you know, was isn't was a novelty. Uh, then, that so when the situation changed, when Baruch Hashem, there's no more wars, wars, Baruch Hashem, no more plagues. We're done with COVID forever. There's no more famine. Baruch Hashem, we have what to eat. Um, there's world peace, good medicine. Um, people don't feel such a need. And it also used to be that the Jewish people felt an even deeper need to replenish the Jewish nation. But besides the wars that the non-Jews uh, went through, we unfortunately had many more pogroms and uh, the Crusades and the Holocaust there was always a need to replenish the Jewish nation. That was like an innate desire of every Jew. And then of course, with the women's liberation movement, when we wanna have careers and having children interfered with careers, so family planning became so in vogue. And especially when the pharmaceutical companies uh, created birth control options were more user-friendly, uh, you know, the woman, the female vote was important and uh, we don't have abortions, whatever. Historically, it became so much easier um, in the 19, the late, the mid to late 1900s, for women to practice family planning and birth control, and it became the norm. So that's when the Rebbe started to 
help us try to shift our focus back from the world view to the Abishur's view. And that's why the Rebbe spoke over and over and over again to help us uh, regain the proper perspective. Uh, so let's start. It says, um, so it says, what if we have the first, so one thing we have to understand is as follows. All of us have challenges when we, or, or we work very hard for certain things. When we value what we work for, we'll roll up our sleeves and we'll have simcha sachayim, we'll have inner peace and excitement because we know we're fulfilling our life's mission, our life's desire. We're so in sync with what we want. It's working out well for us that even if we're tired or, or whatever the case is, well, we're happy to invest our energy because we're building something that we really love and appreciate. But if, if we, are, we don't appreciate what we have to work hard for, then we start feeling the tiredness and the pain and, and the negativity and the stress. So the Rebbe was, is trying over and over again to help us appreciate the beauty of the mitzvah vu and the beauty of every additional neshama that is gifted to us. And um, over and over again, when we see that we're doing something so holy and so beautiful in Hashem's eyes and so beautiful for the neshama and we have a long-term investment, our shift changes that even though it may be difficult, but it's something that we appreciate. I want to actually bring here now a, a letter that the Rebbe wrote to somebody, actually it was a shlucha, was complaining to the Rebbe. She was in the middle of a pregnancy and she found it very difficult. And this is from Tishrei Toshim and Beis. And the Rebbe, first the Rebbe says, Utavasa Toiv, gave her a bracha that she should be able to also share good news, not just the hard part. She should share the good news. And the Rebbe gave a mashal. The Rebbe said, Kishanaitim Ilon, Oise Peres, Toivim, Sheyiru Uyim, Lalois of Shulcham Melochim, Ubefrat Melech Godol, Dirze Tircho Gedoiva, Dogo for Amim Gambalaiva, Upashot, Eitzel Hanatea, Shaloiba Yoim, Tirchosai, Ye Hapri, Gomor, Nechmod, Wimarevachul. The Rebbe begins, right, and the Rebbe says, when one plants a beautiful fruity, fruit tree fit to be served to a king, and especially a great king, this requires great effort, and sometimes even at night. And certainly it isn't expected for the fruit to appear on the day of his toil. And indeed, planting potatoes is incomparably easier, and the wait is incomparably shorter, etc. And yet, someone has been chosen by the king to grow his royal vineyard or royal orchard. Would they ever request to switch places with a potato grower? but will actually take pride in the fact that he was chosen and trusted by the great king for this intense job. And then the Rebbe asks this question, what do you think? Is it correct? So we acknowledge that it is difficult. Of course it's difficult, but when we're plan planting, when we were handpicked by the Abishter and entrusted to plant the royal vineyard 
or the royal orchard, not just potatoes, obviously we rise to the occasion and we appreciate the position in which Hashem, Bashgacha Pratas, placed us in. So uh, the importance of the mitzvah, the Rebbe brings uh, that the mother and the father is Yud and, and the Yud and the Hey of Hashem's name, and the son and the daughter is the Vav and the Hey of Hashem's name. And when we can have that complete family, minimally, Dairaisa, of course, we complete Shem Hashem. And in fact, the very purpose of marriage is to have children. We fulfill our mission of marriage. I mean, there's a secondary reason why we get married. We should be in, in um, uh, a relationship with our soulmate. But the primary reason of marriage is um, to have a family. And like the Rebbe, the famous Sikha from the Rebbe, Ishtoy on the words, Ishtoy Zubesai, when the Tanoim called their wife, their, their family, their household, because the whole goal of having the wife is that she's put into position of a karasabayist, and through her, she could develop the beautiful Jewish home. Now, it's true that the man was entrusted with a mitzvah, and it's not just a regular mitzvah, it's called a mitzvah rabbah, a very uh, great mitzvah. And in fact, the din is that you, no one, a yid is not allowed to sell a sefer Torah if he owns a sefer Torah. You could sell a sefer Torah only for two other mitzvahs, either for limitah Torah, to study Torah, if he needs money to enhance his Torah learning, because, uh, or you could sell a sefer Torah, to fulfill the mitzvah of Those are the two exceptions because the Puravu is such a tremendous mitzvah. Now, the man is really the one who has was uh, commanded to do the mitzvah, but like the Rebbe explains, a woman does not need a command in order to do the mitzvah of Just like when they came to donate to the Mishkan, they donated with their open hearts even more than the men because they felt a deep connection to the Ebishter. A woman is is tremendously connected to her essence, to her Amunus Hashem, Abbas Hashem, and Yir Hashem, just like the women in Mitzrayim. And by nature, they are gifted with taking responsibility and recognizing their great schos and their shlichus in bringing more children into this world. And obviously, she gets the schar because she's helping her husband fulfill the mispravu. And she also has that atzimistik, that essential bond with the abishter that's higher than a mitzvah. She doesn't need a mitzvah in order to understand the importance of having children, but she actually... Um, is connected to the atmos, to the essence of Hashem, because she's in tune with her essence as well. I do want to add that when we feel that this is our life's mission, and sometimes life is overwhelming and we have to pause, um, it's important. There's another little important piece. Um, this is not from the Rebbe, but on a practical level. So every one of us has a weakness. None of us are perfect. And when the stress levels go up, it actually brings to the fore our weakness and it's hard for us to face our weakness. Like we want, we wish it away. It's easier to say, let me just stop having children and let this weakness get buried again. But Hashem shows us this weakness. And if we really want to accommodate to have more children, we could take a pause. Of course, we have to speak to the roof, but we take the time to fix that weakness, to find the tools to deal with the weakness. If it's parenting skills, if it's regaining balance and own emotional health, if it's financial planning or household skills or or regaining our health, our physical health or getting our body back into shape, whatever we think we need that, that there's no way we could have another child. Um, that's not just, that's not the end point. If we truly believe how beautiful and important it is for every additional child to be born, um, work at it. Let's find a way that we can gather another diamond and another diamond and another diamond, of course, but sometimes we have to work a little harder and put energy into fixing. That's what needs to be corrected in order to accommodate another child. 
I also want to say that the Rebbe, both my mother and my grandmother, had answers from the Rebbe or messages from the Rebbe about having household help. That, of course, having children is a tremendous avoida. Uh, it's, it's work. And it's supposed, it, it, it's supposed to be hard. It, 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 having the children and then raising them, it's supposed to be hard from 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 I mean, from It wasn't just the birthing that was supposed to be Avaidas Hashem, but raising the children is also Avaidas Hashem. So when we have something that's difficult, okay, when we have something that's difficult and we work hard at it, at least we know it's supposed to be hard. I remember a while ago, I, oh, I I took a little vacation with my husband and we landed at a hiking area, a mountain. And we, I started climbing with him the mountain uh, up and up. And after I was just getting out of breath and it was after COVID, I said, you know what? I'm so out of shape. I didn't do enough exercise during COVID. Like I just can't do it. And I, I tried a little harder and I tried a little harder. And after a while we saw some people coming down and we asked them um, how much longer is it up to the top? And they said, at least another 45 minutes. And I told my husband, I, I don't think I could do for another five minutes, 45 minutes. I don't know what's with me. I'm so out of shape. Uh, must be COVID. I have to start doing exercise again, you know. And we went back down and then we went to the place we were staying Right. And then we saw this that was actually reading all the different heights in the area, if they're easy, moderate, or difficult. And that particular hike that we had started, and then I actually uh, couldn't continue, it said difficult. And I felt so validated that it wasn't an easy hike. That I was so out of shape and I couldn't handle it, but it was a difficult hike. And which a 50 plus year old lady who's a little out of shape is going on the most difficult hike when she didn't hike in a number of years probably before that. So I felt, ah, so I was having a difficult time because it was supposed to be difficult, not because it's an easy thing and I'm finding it difficult. So it's supposed to be difficult. But in order to make it easier, um, my mother actually, the Rebbe told my mother, thine uh, is kinder, your occupation is having children, and she should use household help um, to do the physical work in the house so that she could reserve her energy for the chinuch and the emotional welfare of her children. And for every child she has, she should increase the amount of help that she has, and she shouldn't look in the corners to see if she would have done a better job than the cleaning help, and that... The Abishter takes care of the financial. It's a dover hachrachi. It's a necessity. It's not a luxury. And just like the Abishter uh, provides for the food and the clothing for the child, um, the Abishter provides for the household help as well. And and and, and that's really um, important to know, like priorities. Another thing I want to mention is my grandmother. She told me the story, Reb Tzanaltain, Allah Shalim, that she also one of her friends. Um, uh, told her that she had asked the Rebbe for a bracha for Parnassa, and the Rebbe gave her a bracha for Parnassa, and she, my grandmother said, wow, she would never ask the Rebbe for a bracha for money, but if the Rebbe is dispensing brachas, they just went from renting a, an apartment to buying a house, and their mortgage was like $150 a month, and how would they pay that until now they only paid $85 a month rent, and it was like, wow, she'll ask the Rebbe for a bracha. And the Rebbe answered her, whatever the Rebbe answered her, um, uh, that she should thank Hashem for the children, the nachas and the children and the health. And basically, like, she wasn't given a direct bracha for Parnassah at that time. And when she notified the Rebbe shortly thereafter that she was pregnant, the Rebbe sent her actually a check of $150, which is a month's mortgage nowadays. The reason I brought the money in, because a whole month's mortgage worth, and the Rebbe said this is for household help, that uh, you could use it as a gift, you could use it as a loan, whichever one would help you use it faster. 
Um, and she actually said that the next day she called the agency and she got the perfect um, cleaner. Um, she was uh, Alice and she she was just amazing. And she stayed with the family. She helped take care of my great grandmother, whatever. Like, wow, the Reb is, you know, the Reb is miracle a house cleaner. So why am I saying this? Because for some of us, that could be a solution. Just let somebody else do the physical work of the house and then we could use our energy for what's really important, which is connection to our children, the time and the emotional connection, and to be there for them with our whole heart and our whole mind. Um, sometimes, again, there's other lifestyle changes. Uh, we have to ask ourselves, like, why am I being so stressed out? Am I making like five salads and three kugels and five different side dishes because I want to impress everybody? Am I running around because I might like my children have to do like what am I sacrificing for what? And sometimes sitting with your mashpi and just reorganizing your thoughts and priorities, sometimes we could simplify our lives in other ways so that we could use our energy to really focus on the emotional welfare of our children. Of course, physically, they also have to be healthy, but especially nowadays, you know, to really focus on them. Maybe we have to shut down our phones for a couple hours. Like how much time are we wasting or spending on everything else out there? Maybe we have to refocus, shut out the rest of the world for X amount of minutes, hours, daily, weekly, et cetera. Uh, maybe we have to kind of learn how to de-stress, take whatever methods are available nowadays to you know keep ourselves calm and peaceful. But there's so many lifestyle changes that we could look into that we could, the, the idea is what can I do to accommodate another child? Not like I've just had it, I'm all stressed out. Uh, maybe you have to learn how to breastfeed better. That could help sometimes with not getting pregnant right away. Whatever the case is, you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of thoughts uh, and choices that we have to be able to accommodate another bracha. So v'chaibahem, we bring the Rebbe brings chais in the mitzvahs. That we don't just do a mitzvah in a stressed out way and a, a burden, but we're excited. V'chai, we have a chayis. This is so exciting. This is such a special mitzvah. I'm so excited. How can I invest to make it better? So the first um, mitzvah, the first sicha that we have in audio, and actually the Rebbe in that sicha used the word birth control, was a very, it was a very, very, very famous time in Chabad history. I don't know if any of you remember this historical moment, but in honor of Yitzvah Toshim Lamid, which was celebrating 20 years of the Rebbe's leadership or 20 years after the Stalkas of the Friedrich Rebbe, the Rebbe completed a Sefer Torah, a very important and special Sefer Torah that the Friedrich Rebbe began with the purpose of that with that Sefer Torah, we're going to welcome Mashiach. And the Rebbe completed the Sefer Torah, and on Friday, which was uh, Teshvat, the Sefer Torah was completed. And, and say, I don't know if you remember how the Rebbe, you see the pictures, how the Rebbe put the crown on the Sefer Torah. It was a very, 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 very emotional time. And the Chassidim felt so Mashiachtik, Mashiach is in the air. The Sefer Torah was completed. And we're, we're ready to welcome Mashiach. Now, Shabbos, there was the Yutzvat for bringing. And then Matzah Shabbos, there was another for bringing. And this, of course, the reason there was another for bringing, because this then could be broadcast. Um, throughout the world. In those days, there was no internet and then not even a satellite, but through a through the phone, Chassidim all over the world could tune in to the Rebbe's message. And in that, at that time, the Rebbe said, you know, we all feel so Mashiachtik. And the Rebbe brought the Mamre Chazal that you'll see in your next um, next page, page um, two, which um, number four. Ein ben David ba ache yichlu Mashiach cannot come until all the neshamis that are in the treasure house called guf, 
that's where all the neshamas are gathered together before they come down into Olam Hazeh, Mashiach can only come when each one of those neshamas had an opportunity to come down into Olam Hazeh to fulfill their mission. And we're waiting for every neshama to have their opportunity to come down into this world and complete their mission. And the Rebbe then said, not like those that argue, that are mafalpal, that argue to use birth control, and the Rebbe actually used the word in English, birth control, that's not the way we're going to get Mashiach to come. If we really want Mashiach to come, we have to make it our business to try to get those neshamas to come down onto this earth to fulfill their mission. So that was a Mashiach to moment. Now, continue. Um, there wasn't really any public statements on Fabringen's about the topic of family planning until the very famous uh, historical uh, time in history, Yudzain Sivan Tafshemem. It was a women's convention. Um, once a year, there was a Chabad women's convention. And when the Rebbe always addressed the woman downstairs in 770, and there the Rebbe spoke about the importance of spreading the myths of Tars Mishpacha to the unaffiliated as well. And then the Rebbe continued to talk about family planning, how important it is every Jewish child to be born and how destructive the whole um, philosophy of family planning is to human beings, to husbands and wives, that they're changing the way of Hashem's nature, uh, changing the bodies, changing the mission. And um, that was a very famous sicha. We'll talk more about what the Reb said in that sicha a little later. But that was, and the Rebbe said, not just between ourselves, we should um, spread the word to, even under, to different sisterhoods or even the unaffiliated, because it's not does not just apply to um, us here in the crowd. And that actually um, began a whole new shift of a focus within our community and also spreading outwards. And it's very interesting that Sichas in English that translates. Um, the Rebbe's Sichas, I made them available in English so more people could have access to the Rebbe's message. So the very next day, if you look on page 8, the very next day, Chai Sivan, already the translation of the Sicha was available for women and everybody else. And this little piece was the introduction that they put at the opening, at the preface. And the Rebbe's edits are not, it, it, the, the Rebbe's handwriting is not Chai Sivan, I don't think so. But the Rebbe's edits you see in the second, in, in the in the middle of the page, and they're actually written on the bottom in clearer Hebrew. But the first paragraph talks about um, the importance of Taras Mishpacha. And we'll start the second paragraph, and it's so interesting, the Rebbe's edits. Here they wrote, the Rebbe Shruta also spoke out against the practice of family planning. And the Rebbe circled the word also and put question mark, exclamation mark, spoke out, and the Rebbe added, Harbe Yoyser The Rebbe didn't just speak out against family planning. The Rebbe wants a much stronger terminology than speaking out against. And we see right away how passionate the Rebbe was about this topic. And then the sentence continues. The next sentence is, he emphasized that having children is the greatest blessing God can give a couple. And the Rebbe took away the word can, put a question mark. What do you mean the Rebbe, the Abishter can give? And added the S after the word give. So it reads, it is the greatest blessing God gives a couple. And that just little change already uh, uh, brings it into reality. Not that the Abishter can or will give, but the Abishter is giving a couple. And that was like, wow, just a little edit, but so meaningful.
So that was on Yud Zayin Sivin. It happened to be Parshas Nasei, and that Shabbos, the Rebbe spent a whole other sicha talking about, even more expounding on what he said on Yud Zayin Sivin, that Parsha, Nasei, and further on Shabbos. And the interesting thing about the Shabbos for Abramians was that most of the women that were having the children were not at the Fabrenians. They were home watching the children, maybe on the couch and wherever. It was the men and the Bahram and the single girls that mostly attended those Fabrenians. And the message is that the mitzvah purvu or the philosophy of how we fulfill this mitzvah and the chayis and the excitement and the perspective is not just something that women have to absorb properly, but the husbands have to absorb properly. And even before marriage, the Bukharm and the girls, the boys and the girls have to be inculcated with the right Torah Hashkafim perspective so they could look forward when can they already have the schos to draw down another neshama. Now, a couple months later, this is already in the winter, and it is um, Tavis and Rabbi Bernard Shalom from South Africa, a very uh, prominent uh, Rav of Ashalom, South Africa, Chabad was in America. He was an eloquent speaker. And the Sheikh Abad had invited him to address the community. And on page six, you have over here his, um, actually it starts on page five and then on page six, he wrote to the Rebbe this question. And the summary of the question is that the Rebbe had asked if anybody has a question about his statements on Purvu, they should please submit those questions to the Rebbe so the Rebbe could address them. And he, he actually, he, the crux of this question is that, of course, um, the secular definition of family planning, I'm going to have maybe one or two children spaced X amount of years apart. Um, that's one type of family planning, like severely limiting uh, the children and spacing them because how many do I even need in the first place? It'll interfere with my career or whatever. But here he had a different question. And he asked her, what about spacing children? Like, don't women need a break between children? It's very hard to persuade women, this is the third paragraph on page five, that it is wrong to just like space the woman, space the um, children. They are able to cite numerous seemingly reasonable and, imp and impressive arguments in favor of this practice of spacing. They are based on personal, psychological, physiological, and to a much lesser extent, financial considerations. They revolve largely around the physical and mental health of the mother, claiming that the average woman simply needs a rest of a year or two or three between pregnancies, especially after she already had a, has been through a few. And the question there continues, and he wants the Rebbe to elaborate on this. So to this question, the Rebbe actually submitted an answer, which is on page seven, that I'll go through with you. I just want to tell you that after this answer was um, was um, then conveyed to the woman, they were still not convinced. And this so Chavdal Tavius, there was another for bringing, and actually this one was broadcast throughout the world. It was on satellite. It was one of these of internet, and that means it was unfiltered. It's for the entire world, even non-Jews. I will soon say what the Rebbe said at that for bringing to add more strength to it, and then. There was a that following week, Rosh Chodesh Shvat, there was a special Fabrengen, which was highly unusual that on Rosh Chodesh Shvat there should be Fabrengen addressing the crowd. It was an unusual circumstance. And the Rebbe went through again, over like point by point, the different arguments that the women had brought up, and the Rebbe dispelled them one by one. So if you go on sikhas.com, you press on Rosh Chodesh Shvat, you'll hear it's in English, you'll, you'll hear it straight from the Rebbe. And soon in Hashem, I will summarize those. But I just want to say historically, after that, it still wasn't enough. 
And throughout um, the following years, in many opportunities, the Rebbe brought message again and again, tied it into the Parsha, tied it into this, tied it into that, so that we can continue to kind of absorb over and over again that shift, which is basically bringing the Abishter back into the picture, which we'll begin to discuss once, once we get into the Sichas. So the answer that Rabbi Bernard received from the Rebbe to convey to the woman is as follows, this is on page seven, and at the bottom, you see how the Rebbe cut out the crux of the question, which was what I just read to you about having just two or three years between pregnancies, etc. And the Rebbe made two points. One was um, Advar spacing, concerning the word spacing, okay? And the Rebbe says, and this is a very powerful point. When we talk about spacing, we have to remember that we don't, it, we, it's not even an accurate terminology because we cannot space our children. We could prevent a child from being born. That is, yes, a human choice. But we cannot create a child. We cannot create a pregnancy. We know so many people are halishing to be pregnant or there's something called secondary infertility. They had a child or two and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, Hashem withholds that bracha. The key to life is in the hands of Hashem. And that is logical and it's statistical. So we can allow for a pregnancy, but we cannot create a pregnancy. So the whole term of spacing is inaccurate. I cannot space. I can stop, but I cannot pick up where I left off at the right time, that's totally in the hands of Hashem. And the Rebbe added that the younger a woman is, the healthier, uh, the, the higher um, statistics of having a healthy pregnancy and a healthy child. We know um, ovarian health declines over age, the quality of the eggs, um, more miscarriages when women get older. And the younger we are, grab the opportunity and of having healthy children, later on, it gets more complicated. You know, how many women have spent so many years investing in their career until they decide to get married, and then they finally get married, and then in their upper 30s or almost 40, and then it's so much more difficult in the way of nature to have the children that they wish they would have had much younger. Then the second point, the Rebbe says, when a woman says she needs rest, the Rebbe says it's, called, it's hard uh, due to the shortage of time, or actually because this will be on podcast where people may not have the handouts, I will read the original. It's hard to believe that a woman that already tasted in reality, the pleasure and the nachas of giving birth and raising a child in front of her eyes and watching his development through her efforts and his chinuch and her mister nefesh, it's hard to believe that such a woman would agree, tasking, she would agree. And even more so, that she actually want that she should she want to prevent from herself to stop having a child for the above mentioned reasons. And especially if she thinks into bifrat his point number one, and especially if she thinks into that now the Ebsha is giving her bracha, grab it because over age it may get more difficult, or it's really not in her hands at all. When she'll want, who says that will be available? In fact, 
um, in the Sicha of Rishchei Shvat, Tavshin Mem Aleph, that's where the Rebbe brings in the Medrash of Moshe Rabbeinu, that the Abishter wanted to give Moshe Rabbeinu a gift by the Sneh, by the story of the burning bush. And the, uh, the gift that Abishter wanted to show Moshe Rabbeinu his full Shechina. But Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want, he, he, he told the Abishter, I'm not ready, and the, the, the Medrash describes different excuses, uh, different reasons, or Moshe Rabbeinu felt it wasn't the right time, it wasn't the right person, it wasn't this, it wasn't that. And the Abishter did not show Moshe Rabbeinu the full Shechina at that time. Years later, after the Abishter forgave the Yidin for Chita Egel, and Moshe Rabbeinu saw that it was Eis Ratzayim, Hashem was quote-unquote in a good mood, and Moshe Rabbeinu then asked the Abishter, Ha'eni noz could you now please show me the full Shechina? But now I feel ready for it. And the Abishter answers, Kishiratzi saw. When I wanted, you didn't want. Dot, dot, dot. And not Chas that the Abishter was punishing Moshe Rabbeinu that you didn't want, I'm going to give you, blah, blah, blah. Chas v'shalom. that wasn't the point. The point is when the Abishter is opening up his mitas hachesed, his like how do you say benevolence or his his he, he to give a gift. There's a time that the Abishter's midas chasid is open to give, and that's the time the Abishter is ready to give you the gift. If you're not ready to receive the gift, it doesn't mean that when you're ready, that is going to be a esrutza in Hashem's eyes to give the, the the gift that he had wanted to at the time that he felt you were ready for it, and you weren't ready to accept it. And, and the Abishter actually only showed Moshe Rabbeinu, the, the back, just the outer level of the Shechina, but not the full Shechina at that time. And the Rebbe usually is very positive. We know the Rebbe's messages are always positive and inspiring. And the fact that the Rebbe brought this in is to just help us understand who gives the gift of life in the first place. Who is the one who makes the decision when will be the right time for you? Or when will be the right time for this neshama to make its entrance in this world, which family will this neshama be gifted to? Will be will this neshama be the oldest? Will it be the youngest? Will it be the middle child? Is it going to be in the ch- family that's blessed with comfort and ease or health? Every neshama has a purpose on this earth, and the Abisha decides which neshama is going to be planted in which family situation and in which order and in which time in history. This is all Hashem's great plan. Okay, to be continued on that note, but it fit right. That message fit with this answer. The Rebbe continued along, even though the Rebbe, you know, if you notice, this is dated Chafal Tevis, and a week later, the Rebbe added this message of Kishar Ratzisa. But the Rebbe, as over here, concludes, Batama Pnimi, the subconscious reason why a woman is afraid of the pain of pregnancy, or childbirth, or the burden of raising a child. Perhaps that she's not unable to participate in different events at that time for a certain amount of time of her life and all that. The Rebbe said, Iker, the main reason of her fear probably is, the Rebbe underlines the foundation, the foundation of the entire She has a subconscious fear. What are the mockers going to say? People will make fun, like you're a baby machine, you're popping, um, you know, you could get a hector in two minutes, like what are you doing with yourself, what are you doing to your children, what are you doing to, are you crazy, like we live in the in 2020, 2021, we're more educated, you don't have to go through all this, you know, on and on and on. Um, and that's why it's important to surround ourselves with, with people who share 
our vision, our mission, our supportive, our helpful, um, you know, our helpful. And when you know, and not, I'm not chasashalim <coughs> making comments that deter from our happiness and excitement to fulfill this mission. So that says the subconscious reason is her fear. It says, quote unquote, her, of all this is she's afraid of the mockers. And when we explain the woman that this really is the real reason why she's afraid to have children, then with great happiness and joy, they will go give over to the Abishter Ha'achlata decision. When is going to be the right time? Hashem knows the future. He knows the present. He knows the exact time when you should be benched with another child, and we'll leave it up to the Abishter. Again, the women weren't convinced, so they're going to continue talking again and again and again. Um, and we are now going to continue with other things that the Rebbe talked over the years. I also want to mention there's a mimer from the Tzamech Tzedek in Dech called Purvu. I'm wondering even if it's available in English, if somebody could let me know. But it's the first mimer in Dech Metzisecha from the Tzamech Tzedek, and, and it talks about the mitzvah Purvu. And when we learn it, it actually gives us a, 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 a kind of a glimpse into what the neshamas are feeling. And the Tzemach Sethik describes how the neshamas up there in the treasure house in Gan Eden are basking in the glory of the Shekhinah. They're so close to the Abishter. They're on such a deep level of connection to the Abishter. It's like heaven. And despite the greatness and the great Kedusha that they're enveloped in, the neshama is waiting, when will I have the opportunity to be born to, in Olam Haza, in this world? Because being part of one mitzvah, even one mitzvah, even being born, the mitzvah Purvu, all the more so, more mitzvahs that this neshama will be able to accomplish in its lifetime in Olam Haza, gives this neshama a tremendously greater elevation than all the holiness it's experiencing just sitting in Gan Eden and basking in, basking in the glory of the Shekhinah. By the time you learn this mimer, you're like, hey, I have such rahmanis on these neshamas. Can I do a favor for one more neshama and bring down one more neshama in this world so this neshama could have the aliyah, the elevation that it's been waiting for from the time it was created? Just something you may want to learn. And it says over for further learning, if you want to, okay, uh, the rest of the class today, okay, first I'm going to go through some Amar Chazal that are on these sides of the page. And then the rest of the class today, and Mr. Shem, tomorrow, I'm just going to, I'll tell you how I I took the Rebbe Sichas and I categorized them under different questions that people ask. And based on that question, which of the Sichas may answer that particular, be an answer to that particular question. But in the meantime, if you'd like to, on your own, for further reading, um, www.sichas.com is where the Sichas of the Rebbe are and click on Purvu and you see over there um, the Rebbe Sichas, you can listen to them by audio, it's not video and then if you click, click on each one individually, you have an option of having the full translation that there's first the uh, how do you say, the, it's written out in Yiddish and it's, and it's in Hebrew and English, it's a must learn it with your husband, learn it again Learn it again and learn it again. There's a book, Shall We Have Another, by Rabbi Mendel Dubov. You could get it on Amazon. Again, Shall We Have Another, 
by Rabbi Dubov, and there also it's kind of a textbook or anthology of the, uh, the proper attitude for the Misa of Pruvu, again, based on the Rebbe Sichas. Um, Gem.tv slash The Greatest Blessing is just kind of 40 minutes of a compilation of snippets of the Rebbe's message. Again, it's video with the captions in English. And of course, the article from the Chesidusha Der Her, it's from uh, um, 5780, Pay. <coughs> I forgot which month. I have it on my other paper. But that's also, you have it posted. And it's good to read through it again as a summary because it summarizes everything in a good perspective. So now we're going to turn first over, over the page, and we're going to discuss Mamari Chazal. Before we get to the Rebbe Sichas, let's see what Chazal say about the Mitzvah Purvu so we can understand the greatness of this mitzvah. So we already mentioned it's called the Mitzvah Rabbah. So first of all, what is the, what is the source in Hatayra? So we have in Bereshis, it says, This was um, a command when Adam and Chava were created, and the Rebbe mentions actually in the Sicha of Tavshin and Aleph, that the command was given when other Mahava were still as one, when they weren't um, separated yet. So even though, like officially, the mistress for men, but it was given pru. It wasn't in It wasn't in singular, just to Adam. Pru is to humanity or to Adam Mahava as a joint unit. So it says, and told them, pru be fruitful or vu and multiply and fill the earth and conquer it." So on this, the Rebbe points out three three points I want to mention. One point the Rebbe says is, it's the first mitzvah in the Torah, and order is important. The fact that it's the first mitzvah shows that it's priority. It's so important that the Ebrister listed it as mitzvah number one. Another point the Rebbe says is that we know that every mitzvah brings bracha to our life. We don't always see it. Having children, the Rebbe says, is a mitzvah that before... Even the Rebbe gave us the, the Abishra gave us the command. The Abishra says, Vayivarech, this you will see with your own eyes is a blessing. And we have to tune into that. And we have to step back and see, yes, of course, we work hard for every child. It's hard work. But ultimately, the biggest gift that parents could have is children and the continuity of generations. The next thing is Vikifshua, the Rebbe points out. Vikifshua means to conquer it, which conquer the world with human beings that recognize that Hashem is um, in charge. But the Rebbe says Vikifshua means what do we also need to conquer? What's the Aretz? Aretz is the Arceus. That is, we have to conquer the physicality or the, the um, opposite of godly eyes in which we view this mitzvah. If we take away the human aspect of it and not look at it through human limited eyes, but step back and look how the Abishter views, how the Abishter is in charge. And we'll see much more of it, how the Abishter is a partner and he's there with us and he's the provider of money and he's the one who makes the choice and he's the one who sees the full picture and just let the Abishter step back in our lives and then we can make the decision with a, with, with a real perspective that suits our neshama not just um, the physical part of ourselves. The next one, item number two on page two, is what is the source, Midra Banan, about this mitzvah? This is actually a Pasuk in Kaihelas. Kaihelas actually was read publicly at every hakel. That means every man, woman, and child needed to hear this once in seven years. And what is this Pasuk? So it's, um, it's a mashal. 
The Pasuk says, Babaikar in the morning, Zara Zaracha, you plant your seed, and towards evening, you don't withhold because you don't know. Um, you don't know which one will come out right, this one or that one, or both of them will end up being okay. So this, the Chacham say, when we're young, it's a mitzvah to have children, but even as we age, we don't withhold because we don't know, really, literally means who will survive. We don't know. I mean, nowadays we have a different uh, view because Baruch Hashem's survival rate is quite high, mortality is very low, but really, in the this is the reality that we have to keep on ch having children because we don't know what's going to happen next. However, this is when we say Durabanon, we have to remember the Mitzvah Durabanon, like to put it in context, like the first day of Yontav is Dairaisa, the second day of Yontav eating matzah is Durabanon. Or like mixing meat and milk is Dairaisa, mixing chicken and milk is Durabanon. Would, would anybody ever think to dismiss, oh, it's only Durabanon, like what's the big deal? Um, we have to know it's a real Mitzvah. It's not just optional. It's Durabanon, a Mitzvah to keep having children. It's not just like, okay, like a minog or something like that. So we have to understand the seriousness of it. And of course, as we mentioned way, way in the beginning, that we have another mitzvah, that's Raisa, not even Durabanon, to guard our health. So of course, we're, we're not going to go back to that over and over again. We said it in the introduction, but it stands throughout this entire uh, shir and tomorrow as well, that of course, guarding our health is an equally important mitzvah. Okay, it's not called a mitzvah rabbah, but it's min ha-toira. is a mitzvah min ha and guarding our health is important. And there are many times that we must ask a shayla what is our our um, obligation to the Abishter in this context for me personally. Not for my friend, and I'm not for my friend's friend, and I'm for my sister, and I'm for my sister-in-law. We're all different. Our husbands are different. Us, we are different. Our children are different. Our situations are different. It's very, very complex. It's not one size fits all. Oh, over the age of 40, don't have children. Over the age of 45 or the age of 32, if you have one child that's not quite healthy, if you have one difficult child, do you have five difficult children? This is so individualized. There's no chart. There's no equation. This is very, very individual. And that's why every husband and wife need to turn to their own mashpi and rov um, when this dilemma comes up. Point number three is about non-Jews as well. To not create this world for chaos. The key word here is the Abishter wants that the earth should be populated by human beings who recognize that there's a God on this world. And in the very famous Sikha of Parshas Shlach, Tavshin Mem, and again, even more so in Parshas Kairach, the Rebbe expounds on this. And the Rebbe says, Poshet for the health of a human being. Health. We don't interfere with Hashem's plan of how human beings work. Human beings are meant to be married and produce children. That's the way of nature. And interfering with the way of nature has repercussions. And the Rebbe mentions hormones are not the healthiest thing for human beings. Or even preventing children, the Rebbe mentions often, causes tension and stress. It's a cause of tension um, in a household, when there's no children to be focused on, and not only no children to be focused on, um, when we actually prevented it, let's not talk about if Hashem is not giving us that opportunity, it's a different category, um, and we're not using out the powers that we were gifted in in, in creation. And there, in that context says that there's something called the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, and their purpose is to ensure the health and welfare of society. 
And the fact that they're okay with all these methods of birth control is something mind-boggling because ever says it actually destroys the health of human beings, um, non-Jews or Jews alike. They're always very strong about that. Okay, let's continue. Number four, we already discussed. Number five is very interesting. And this, um, uh, I don't know if you remember this, maybe this dates me, but I think sometime in Tashimim Aleph, or maybe Membeis and We Want Mashiach Now became the song of the of, of the children of Tzimtz Hashem. And we were taught, the Rebbe then uh, was very strong about asking and demanding. We are in the nine days now, but really asking the Ebrister with all our heart and soul, as Hashem, please speed up the Gula, and we should ask and beg and demand that the Ebrister should already be Mashiach. And then uh, there was an incident that somebody... In those days, there was uh, snail mail, as they say, no internet, no emails or anything. And there was a popular thing that a popular, uh, mostly children would do, like, um, you know, it's called a chain letter. You know, I, you send this to 10 people and they sent another 10 people and then you get back uh, stickers or money or recipes or who knows what. So somebody um, uh, wrote a letter to the Rebbe that they received a threatening chain letter that if they don't do X, Y, and Z, like they'll be doomed or something. And the Rebbe then said, everything that comes our way, we have to learn a lesson in the Vayas Hashem. So we're all going to take chain letters and we're going to send messages. Each one should send to 10 people, four separate messages about the, that the Rebbe chose the next day to show with Makairis, like sources, about the importance of begging and demanding um, the Abishur that Mashiach should come. And one that we should beg Hashem for Mashiach. It's a, a Yiddish thing and the sources for that. And one of the sources that was brought was, that it's, it says somewhere, maybe Gemara or Medrash, that when uh, Neshama comes to base Neshamayla after 120, one of the first questions that they're asked is, Tzipisa Yeshua, did you eagerly anticipate and await Mashiach's arrival, the salvation? Was that part of your life? Like waiting and awaiting and anticipating when will Mashiach already come? It happens to be that that question is question number four. Question number three, even before that question is, Every neshama, when it comes to based on Shomayi, was asked right away, did you, make, did you make it your business to try to fulfill the misapproval, to have as many children as possible? This is so important in our mission on earth. That's one of the first questions we're asked um, after 120. Number six, whoever sustains life to even one nefesh, one human being, malin olava. Olav ki'ilu kim oiva mole. We, um, it's as if he actually sustained life to an entire world. Because one person is not just a human being. One person is the future of an entire dynasty of the Jewish people. And just bringing one extra life onto this earth actually brings life to an entire dynasty. And actually in, in a sicha, the Rebbe says, withholding is not just neutral withholding in one sikha that says almost like murder and this is actually taken from Chazal because you're not just withholding that child that could have been born but you're withholding all the future children that will be born from this child again these are strong messages but this is what the Rebbe says now we have another Maimar Chazal Tanya Weaver says whoever doesn't make it his business to try to have children it's as if he's committed committed murder because it's from Smichas Apsukim, the Shavim the mitzvah of murder, 
after that, it's Purvu. So from one pasuk following the other, we have this connection. Rabbi Yaakov Oimer, if not, don't occupy yourself from having children. You're diminishing the image of Hashem in which you are created. That means what does it mean in the image of Hashem? It's the power of creation. Hashem invested, he is a creator, and he invested in the human being the power of to continue creation. And squandering that gift and withholding that special gift that Abishri gave us to create, you're diminishing the godly image in which you were created. Um, okay, wow, I don't realize we only have 15 more minutes, so let's just skip over those. Let's go to number nine. Just like the Eden were redeemed from Mitzrayim and the Schos, that they continue to have children, even when it didn't make sense. It was so difficult. They had six babies at once, and what did the mothers knew? They were thrown into the Nilos. They were taken away by Parai, and maybe some of them were squished into the bricks, the you know. And what did they do? They continued to have children and they continued to perpetuate the, the Jewish nation, even when it sort of didn't make sense. And they actually knew that their children would suffer. They weren't going to be create, they weren't coming into easy life, stress free life. And they continued to have the children, and that's how they were redeemed. So too in the future, the Eden will be redeemed in the schos that they will continue to have children, even when it is um, difficult. So now what we're going to do next is we're going to turn to page, um, those of you that are following, let's turn, we have now page nine. So here, instead of um, reading the Rebbe's Sichis in the order that they were um, taught or spoken, what happened was I, um, I put together different questions that women have and which Sichis I felt can address those specific questions so like this, if you have that specific concern and you don't have time to listen to the Rebbe's entire sikhs, all of them, because it could take a long time, you could choose. Each of them are sourced here, so you could choose which one speaks to your heart and listen to the Rebbe's message in the original. So first of all, everybody will agree that having children is emotionally and physically hard. It is super hard. It's not just hard. It's very hard. Of course, there's some wonderful moments and there's moments of nachas. It's physically draining. It's emotionally draining. When we see our children go through painful moments, when we look back at maybe mistakes that every one of us made and the Abishar knew we would make those mistakes and the Abishar anyways gifted his child in your arms because he knew you'd be the best caretaker for this particular neshama and this particular circumstance. And we all have a vayda Hashem. It's emotionally stressful. It's physically stressful. And here are some things can, can, that can address that. So um, we already spoke about the Kivshua. We have to conquer, and especially now, you know, people on Instagram, those influencers, how are they influencing you? Who's providing the influence in your life? Where are we getting our messages from as to what's important in life? What are we amassing? Are we amassing spiritual um, richness, like the famous Hayyam Yayim? What is Yiddish Reichtum? What is Yiddish richness? It's not dollars and cents. Yiddish richness are children and families, especially if they could, are able to continue in the ways of Hashem. And if they're not able to, that's also the Rebbe spoke about that. And we'll get to that. We're not creating uh, uh, super children. We're going to speak about that soon. But um, let's go to the fourth bullet. Uh, the fact that in Sheish the Chires, we mention Miriam every single day. And if you think about it, what message do we learn about Miriam? We have to remember, don't speak Lashon Hara. Don't do what Miriam did, because we're not going to speak Lashon Hara. 
But if you think about it, it means we're speaking Lashon Hara every day about Miriam. Every day we're reminding you, Miriam spoke Lashon Hara, don't do the same. Isn't that like, what's going on here? So the Rebbe, it, it, it puts it in context. It's not, we're not reminding people about Lashon Hara. That's not the point. What are reminding people? The message. What did Miriam do? What's the message of Miriam? So for, from when Miriam was a young child, remember how she put together Amram and Yochavet, and because of that, Moshe Rabbeinu was born, that she said, she told her parents, you're separated. You're, Pari only made a gazera against boys. You're making a gazera against girls. So from when she was a little child, uh, Pur Vu was her mission, was her passion. And Shifra Pua, she saved the baby. She, she, she helped the woman birth the Mitzrayim. That was, Pur Vu was, was her specialty, was her mitzvah, was her passion. But what happened with the story of the Lashon Hara, it's not that, that she spoke Lashon Hara. She wanted to make a very strong message to the Jewish people. And even though she knew she would risk being punished by it with Saras, she didn't want Yidin to take the message of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was unique. The Shekhinah at any moment could speak from Moshe Rabbeinu's mouth, and therefore he had to be separated from his wife. But Chas Vashom, that another Yid should take that message, and it's okay to abstain. It's okay to not have more children. It's okay to abstain from um, being with your wife. And that's why she made this whole tumult. So the message of Purvu should be broadcast all over. And the, um, the proof that this was a good thing, she did it from holiness, was that the entire Jewish people waited for her to recover before they continued traveling. So she was a tzaddikis, but she personally took upon herself the suffering of Taras and maybe even the embarrassment and the whole to-do that was happening. But when every day when we say in Sheish Zechiris, remember what the Abishar did for Miriam, it's not that she spoke Hashan Hara. The message is, remember about the importance of Purvu. And the Rebbe explains that really, um, when we find something difficult, we have to look at the whole picture, that we're investing in the entire future. Sometimes in the here and now, it seems like impossible. I'm never going to get out of situation. It's so difficult. It's so stressful. But we have to look back and look at the future. We're investing now in the future of even our families. We're putting in so much work now. And we should be to sit back as grandparents and enjoy the nachas. And um, the Rebbe says, you know, like this, we don't overstay our welcome in one of our children's homes. When we get older, we can go visit from place to place, from place to place. And it's a beautiful nachas when we envision our future families. Um, the Rebbe also says, explains, like, what are you finding difficult? What is it that you're doing? Again, remember the muscle, like, are you carrying stones or are you holding diamonds? Um, what are you holding? Um, I don't know where I heard this, maybe from Mrs. Bukarski, Esther Bukarski from Tel Aviv, that somebody on a, an entire flight to Ertzestrol was holding a Sefer Torah. They weren't going to put the Sefer Torah in the, in the shelf on top of the seats. It's a Sefer Torah. And for 12 hours straight, they were holding a Sefer Torah because they felt this is a gift. I'm holding something so precious. So yes, my hands are aching. But why are my hands aching? Because I got this chus of holding the most precious item of Sefer Torah. And the Rebbe says, look at this. What, do you what, are you what is the difficulty? That you're taking care of an Ashama. This little infant is not just a human being. This human being, the Abishit invested an Ashama. The Shechina came down. In Hashem put himself in this body, you're not just taking care of a body. You're taking care of a piece of the Abishter that you were gifted to make sure, like the Rebbe says, if you open the window or you close the window, that the wind shouldn't blow, that this 
child should be comfortable. This is not just a child. This is a neshama. And we have the opportunity to take care and make the neshamas as comfortable as we can, physically or emotionally, whatever we can do to, to, that they can have the right environment to do their avodas Hashem. And it's worth all the trouble in the world. The Rebbe says, it's not a last. It's not a burden. You're not carrying a burden. Hashem is gifting you with something so precious and valuable. The Rebbe also mentions that, yes, sometimes it's difficult, but if you're doing Hashem's work, you know, we, we've heard it several times from the Rebbe that there's a gift also. The Ebrister like, could give a bracha in money, that money stretches, money's not wasted, that we can have a certain amount of dollars and cents, but money is much more than dollars and cents. If we go in the way of nature, everything has to equal in dollars and cents. But if we connect to the Ebrister that's higher than nature, the way those dollars and cents are spent or not spent, if money is saved or money is wasted, that Hashem controls that, and Hashem could give a bracha in the money. But here the Rebbe mentions that the Ebrister also gives a bracha in time. That when you have so much to do and you're so overwhelmed, the Ebrister will bench you that you have time efficiency. Sometimes you have to learn time management skills also, uh, how that works in Gashmias. But there's a ruchlistic bracha that if you're doing Hashem's work, Hashem will then give you a connect to the Ebrister that's higher than nature and your time will kind of settle. Like you won't be stuck in traffic. You don't have to go purchase that extra item, the grocery that they didn't have. You have to shop for your teenagers and they want, and they found the perfect um, outfit at the first try, not after 10 stores or 10 searches online, not the first search, whatever the case is, there's so many ways that our time could be more efficient and we can um, give a bracha for that. I want to spend some time. I didn't do this in any particular order. But I want to end off today. Those of us that have children of marriageable age, it's a big. This is a big thing nowadays. And as mothers, we should have um, the proper answers for our children if they even speak to us and <laughs> want even to hear our opinion in the first place. But sometimes we can give them messages even when they're much younger before it actually um, if they actually need to um, have this dilemma or create this dilemma. We preempt it by giving them the positive message right away. And that is, okay, fine. I understand that I'm getting married in order to fulfill the Mishpurvu. And of course, the secondary reason why we get married, of course, is to be in um, a relationship with our soulmate. It's not good to be in the state of singlehood. Good is when we're married to our soulmate. But why do we have to have children right away? I want to first get settled. I want to first get used to my husband. I want to whatever. So of course, I'm not addressing here if somebody has an unusual situation or they suffer from anxiety or certain trauma and they can't do two things at once they're always going to be a certain percentage of people that actually taking care of their health and provo to different mitzvahs ask a shaila but for the most part for the average person it happens to be who created the mitzvah of marriage in the first place let's go back to the original why do we get married in the first place who created the mention of marriage and hashem created it to be this way for a reason that we could agree or disagree with but it's the Abishter's invention if he wants to make you pregnant right away or if he wants to delay that pregnancy. It's the Abishter's invention if he feels this having a child now will enhance your shalom bias. It'll be better for you. And we can discuss later how it can be better, even Bader Chataba. Or he will delay for you to have a child because now is not the time. But we get married with a third partner. And we call it the third partner, not the first partner, is because it's not that Hashem says, and that's it. The third partner means that, yes, we have a one and a two. 
We have the pros, we have the cons, we have the struggle, we have the Nafsha Kis, we have the Nafsha Bahamas, we have the Ish, we have the Isha. We have this struggle, we have this tension, we have this pull. But who's the Machriya? Who is the one that resolves that pull? So we experience the pull, we experience the tension. And who is the one that creates the harmony or that resolves that tension? Leave it up to the Abishter. He knows your present. He knows your future. He knows your capabilities. He's so in tune with you. And maybe you're immature, but Hashem wants you to have the baby when you're mature. Otherwise, he's not going to make you pregnant. He knows your capabilities. He knows which neshama you need when you're immature and which neshama needs to be born for to a more experienced mother or father. It's it, part of the Abish's plan. Could you imagine? There's going to be many children that are born with inexperienced parents. And, many, and we have to do our due diligence we have to do our parenting skills and we have to upgrade our all the methods that we need to in order to do the best job, right? But still, we have to remember how the Abisha makes that decision. And he decided, even for Shalom Bias, having a child, focusing on a mission rather than ourselves may be a great enhancer for Shalom Bias, takes away our self-centeredness self type of approach and instead makes us focused on a mission. And that could definitely enhance the Shalom Bayis. But a few things that are mentioned, of course, the Kishar Tzitzi, we already mentioned, you decide you don't want now, maybe when it's time for you to want, Hashem has a different plan for you. Not so easy. But the message, we know that Machalas um, she was called Machalas. The Torah says, why is she called Machalas? To teach us what things we learn from here, that the day Esau got married, he was forgiven for all the sins. And we learn from here that when, um, when one engages and begins, embarks upon the mitzvah of Purvu, which is upon when the day they get married is the first opportunity to begin this mitzvah, this is such a powerful mitzvah and this is such an important mitzvah that you're forgiven for all your averis. But the Rebbe points out over here, who do we learn this from? We don't learn this from the big tzaddik. We learn it from Esau, who uh, was known to be a Russia. And not that the day he got married, the next day became the biggest tzaddik either. Uh, he continued in, in his ways for a while. And he wanted to murder Esau, um, Yaakov after. It's not like all of a sudden he was forgiven for Haveris and then he did Shuvah and he lived happily ever after. It's not what happened. But that's the message that's so overridingly important in this mitzvah that you're going to bring down an ashama or a human being onto this earth. That even the biggest rush on earth, because Esau is not just uh, somebody who's religious but somebody who's considered like uh, uh how do you say somebody who converts out of the faith a mumar even he is forgiven for his averis because so important it is this mission that marriage is about purvu so why are we forgiven in the day of our wedding because we're going to have children that means marriage is about having children and it's the reason of our forgiveness um also um a wedding is not a personal affair it's a public affair Kiddushin, uh, in the Rebbe's um, letter about Binin Adeyad, it, when we get married, it's because we're the next link in the chain of Am Yisrael. It's the purpose of marriage. When we get married, it's not just a personal thing. We fell in love, so we have to fill out documents, so we should have a kosher marriage. It's much bigger than that. We get married because we have this host to perpetuate the Jewish nation. That's our mission of marriage. Um, another very important point that the Rebbe message, message, um, says is, there's a mitzvah, we have a mitzvah, one second, one second, I just want to take a little drink, if you kind of 
me, please, for a moment. I'll pause okay. it for a moment now while you're taking the drink, just to briefly say that if anyone has any questions, please message them to crivkin, C-R-I-V-K-I-N, at mikvah.org. They will be addressed in tomorrow's session. We will conclude the program tomorrow with a Q&A session. So if anyone has any questions, please email them to crivkin at mikvah.org. Mikvah with an H or without an H? Mikvah with an H, C-R-I-V-K-I-N at mikvah.org. I'll put it shortly up on the screen. Thank you. So we have a mitzvah v'asagin mikdash to build a base on mikdash. We have another mitzvah, es mikdashi tiro'u. We have to have awe and almost, wow, base on mikdash is awesome. So that explains why do we have the mitzvah to fear the base on mikdash or feel awe and reverence to the base on mikdash. Because here we have almost like, um, what happens is because Hashem put it in our responsibility to actually build a base on Mikdash, Dave sure gave us kind of the blueprint, but it's us human beings, us Eden, that we have to take the, you know, the hammer and whatever and actually do that building. And we had also some flexibility, um, not so much in the Mishkan, but in the base on Mikdash, we we're going to enhance it. So because Dave sure actually put it in our hands and gave us the, um, the, the mission to actually carry out this mitzvah, sometimes we could take too much matters in our own hands, become too hamish, and uh, even want to maybe change things around a little, chas v'shalom. So we have to remember, yes, the Abishar gave you the choice and you the mission, and you're going to carry it out. But remember, whose base HaMikdash is this in the first place? It is the Abishar's, and we have to have reverence and awe to the awesomeness of building this base HaMikdash, and we have to stick to the Abishar's plan. So too, v'asigu mikdash, upon marriage, we're building our mikdash. We're building our yiddishahim. And because we have so much freedom of choice of how our home is built, what are we going to do? Even in gosh, we use the decor. How are we going to fill the mitzvahs? We have so many choices. We have to remember, whose home are we building in the first place? I'm getting married with the purpose of creating a Jewish home. And therefore, it's Hashem's home that we're building. We have to remember that it's and the Abishir is the one who gave us instructions. And who, what instructions does the Abishir give us? Again, put the Abishir back in the picture. My instructions are, you're building a home, bring a child into the home. That's best decoration that you could build, that you could bring, because that's what I like in my home. Remember, whose home is this? It's mine, it's the Abishir's. And in fact, it says, mitzvah yotcha al you have a mitzvah that comes your way, grab it. Don't let it um, sit until it rises and um, turns sour. But it means don't don't uh, hasten, don't 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 um, forego that opportunity. So the minute you have the opportunity to do the misapprovu, you couldn't do it before you married. The first opportunity you have to fulfill this wonderful, amazing first miss in the Torah, grab the opportunity. That's the Jewish thing. Um, so now that it's 10 o'clock, we're going to end over there, over here. This is part one. And then part two, we're going to discuss why do we have to have more children. I already fulfilled my quota. Spacing between children. I don't want to have children for spiritual reasons because my children maybe won't be from, that won't be fulfill Hashem's ways. So what's the point of bringing those type of children onto this earth? My shalom bias will be affected. I can do my mechabaras will run better if I don't get pregnant right now. Financial concerns, how will I support these children? 
and my beauty will be affected. We have addressed that as well. Those are other concerns that will be addressed as Hashem tomorrow with Hashem's help. Thank you so much, Mrs. Morozov, and for encouraging all of us in the uh, in understanding the Rebbe's view on Puravu and encouraging us. I'm going to uh, remind everyone questions can be submitted to crifkin at mikvah.org. Thank you for the preview on what will be addressed tomorrow. This recording will be viewable at mikvah.org forward slash media and also available at our podcast. I'd like to encourage everyone to listen to our podcast. You can find us at mikvah.org forward slash audio or find us on your favorite podcast platform, Google, Spotify, Apple, Pocket Cast, all of them. So thank you very much. And we will continue this conversation tomorrow.